snow killed any sound, blanketing the landscape in whiteness and silence. Trees were smothered by the drifting snow, their conical shapes wrapped up by the ice. By the river, it was free of the grasp of the snow. The meltwater trickled and babbled. And it was near the river line that Ken and Martin made camp. They'd come out into the Alaskan wilderness to film the wild. The hope was to capture on film wolves, bears, perhaps other creatures. They were two days out from Anchorage on foot. And as the sun set, they'd already gotten the fire started and were boiling water and cooking a stew in a bubbling pot. Their breath and the steam rising up into the night sky like spirits seeking the afterlife. The two photographers were laughing and joking when the cries of some animal broke the stillness of the night. Ken and Martin dismissed the sounds, thinking it was just a wolf or some other animal calling in the night for its mate or to establish territory. They continued to eat, continued to joke, before preparing their cameras for tomorrow. And that was when there was a sound of crashing. Something was moving in the trees and getting closer. Ken grabbed his rifle and Martin shone his torch, desperately looking for whatever had made the noise. Help me! Please help me! It was a woman's voice, soft and barely audible. Hello? What's wrong? Ken moved forward, approaching the trees, and he slipped out of view. All Martin heard next were Ken's guttural screams. Hello, this is Chris from Dark Days Radio. And joining me is Crystal and David, and you're listening to a secret frequency on liminal spaces and places where people go missing. Right, so um, welcome to the show. Uh, hello, David and Crystal. Help, thank you for joining me on this topic. And we're going to be looking at a location in Alaska that's known as the Alaskan Triangle and some spirits or creatures that live in that region. Before we get into that and uh, we start talking about various stories and horror and ideas that we can spawn from these um do we have some cool stuff to talk about so crystal what have you been up to gaming wise what stuff's on the horizon one of my friends has finally decided to jump into storytelling and has chosen for his very first storytelling experience uh v5 excellent so i have been writing a character and um, looking forward to um, helping him get into the wonderful world of storytelling. Brilliant. It's a deep end jumping, but is going to be fun. I think it'll be interesting to to find out how that goes. I mean, because, you know, my experience of getting into Vampire was from Vampire the Masquerade Revised. So it'll be interesting to know more about how, how V5 supports new storytellers because obviously there's a lot more that we've built into into the game with like ideas and systems and mechanics and tools and tricks to guide storytellers on i guess you know telling running their chronicles Hmm. 
Yeah, and um, uh, the other, all the other players and I also come from Vampire Revised. So um, we have been very longtime vampire players, and um, we are looking forward to supporting him and also learning mm. V5 um, along with him, because the other two have not played V5. I've run it, and um, I'm somewhat comfortable with it, but still learning all of the, mm. the really, really crunchy bits that I don't really bring into convention games. Yeah, there's you're going to have things like, um, it'll be interesting to see how how you draw how how um like resonance is drawn in because it's something kind of sometimes need to plan it in a bit or you do is random encounters and then what's the other one is it what's the weird flashback memories um is it memoria i want to say memoria yeah i want to say that is too that was one thing that we looked at um and i have a feeling that we might end up house ruling some things which will be interesting um from a design perspective to to kind of take a look at too as to you know hey this might not work for everybody yeah here's how you can modify it you know i really like uh how memoria is a, a form of it is used in fall of london where rather than it being the memories of the vampire character you're playing uh experiencing it that you are are instead experience drawn into the memories of other vampires um because of like you know weird blood magic ties between you and so forth um Ooh, that could be fun it is interesting yeah i I've, I've looked at that's that's i'm not the big vampire player um v, v5 is kind of my first dive into it but looking at what i've read in fall of london there's a lot of really cool stuff to mm. do with that how you deal with that mechanic and diving into memories in fall of london but it's the one thing you kind of have to relate to when you're doing it is the mechanic is specifically designed within the idea of fall of London and what that story is trying to progress. So without giving hints as to what's actually going on in fall of London, it works incredibly well within yeah. that system and that story, but it's something I'm, I'm guessing people more experienced in V5 could certainly adapt and really have fun with, because it's a really nice mechanic and it's, Probably something I should have probably looked at a little bit more with some other things that I've been looking at recently. So, it's, it um, gives, but it's it's a really nice idea and it's a really done really well in Fall of London. It gives you so. the element of of uh, the sense of like history um, in a in a very active way. Mm. In the same way, I guess uh, Mummy the Curse does now with the way that deals with time and history. Um, I'm mostly going to use it kind of by designing a one shot that could actually be a full memoria like session or two um for v5 because i've got in yeah. my head that i need to write some vampire the dark ages basically uh right <laughs> um and then crystal you're going you're you're going to pack no you uh it's because pax yeah. east is coming up is literally happening like tomorrow tomorrow it starts everyone's flying in i think tomorrow and traveling in um Pax East is happening, but at the exact same time, C2E2 in Chicago is happening. That's the one, right. That's where I'm going to be. Cool. So you're there. Mike is going to be at, is literally heading over to Pax. So as, you, as people listen to this, Mike will be at Pax running some V5 demos with the guys from Gehenna Gaming. Um, that's yep. awesome. I think they're also running some Call of Cthulhu. 
Uh, I think they're mostly running the latest iteration of that from Kersium. Yeah, uh, and another game too. can't remember what it is. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> um, cool, There's okay. So much messaging back and forth. <laughs> and then uh, let's think, what other interesting thing gaming-wise has gone on? And also today, uh, li- well, as listeners listen to this, two days ago, on Wednesday, I released Sins Washed Away, which is a one-shot for Chronicles of Darkness 2nd Edition. So that's a mortal scenario set in Sheffield, and it's urban weird, so you kind of get trapped underground and there's some strange stuff going on. Uh, but it could equally be a good jumping point for a hunter chronicle, or a story or um, or for Geist because you could do that whole thing of like this is what happened like before you actually got on with the main story with the competent characters um or it could be good for Deviant even I could imagine a character that survives the the horror uh coming out at the other end changed and and is a Deviant uh you know character type uh because of that um david is there anything else uh, good anything else interesting gaming wise anything you've been playing you've been running some more v5 have you recently i've been attempting to run v5 Uh, attempting (laughs) it's that old age old story of any role player where getting people together is hmm yeah so I keep writing things to run the group, and I've got this really nice story planned out for the, that Manchester setting that we're building um, that we've talked about before and kind of expanding that into an actual playable scenario. But like being yeah. like, it doesn't... I create these things, everybody drops out. So I've got ideas, it's never been run. Um, I'm starting a Warmer Fantasy group um that should be starting next week so we're going to run a few sessions and then when uh enemy within comes out we're going to run that and see how that works as uh within fourth edition yeah be a cool thing to review um i'm actually playing in a game weirdly um that i've i've never actually i don't think i've played in a game of any system for a very very long time but I'm now playing in a Numenera campaign, and I've just turned into Frank Reynolds from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> so that's all gone a bit weird, and we won't get what? involved in that because that's gone a bit weird and dark and a bit beyond what we probably want to right. this uh, <laughs> podcast. But yeah, yeah. I've become uh, Frank Reynolds effectively. So, but we'll yeah, mm. we'll have to catch in, 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 up on that one. Um, <laughs> I was going to say the other thing, um, and this is related to stuff that Crystal's been work- has worked on. Um, so, Chicago by Night is available now to buy in hard copy, like yes. on both sides of the Atlantic, because Ooh. it's distributed in the US by Indie Press Revolution. Uh, is that right? Studio Two? Oh, that's one. Sorry, I knew it was one of the two, and. <laughs> In the UK, obviously, and Europe, uh, Modifius is distributors for it. So that's available as hard copy to buy, and that's traditional hardback printing to buy. Um, So that's the same as what all backers have got, because obviously I've got my copy as well. I've also got my copy of Geist Second Edition, uh, which is very nice. I still have my issues with how certain things are laid out in there, but, you know, it's still 
more playable than first edition ever was in places so that's fine uh so we really we will we will do a full overview review of uh chicago by night and fall of london and cults of the blood gods uh soon enough because i've almost finished reading that one as well so we've got some real we've got to do a really hardcore v5 just like smorgasbord yeah. kind of episode uh to catch up on everything right is there anything else i've missed um it would have finished by now the the um they the um the uh, uh the wetting games um kickstarter that will have ended by yes. now that is ended by now that funded and we are finishing up on all of the writing for that woohoo cool um yeah i did um, see it come up in conversation on the forums on beasts of war slash on tabletop so i'm glad it, oh, cool. it got out there to other people you know because that website's mainly wargaming and so it was good that it sprung up on the forums there that's awesome i think because obviously it has that world war one theme obviously that attracted people to it so you know it makes sense um uh third eye games is getting together writers we're still looking for people for the launch for pip worlds which is going to be our community content site for pip system oh cool oh cool yep yep <laughs> oh, yeah, actually no I, I am... vaguely remember you mentioning something about that at some point but yeah that sounds like a really cool idea pip's a great system sorry no it's totally <laughs> fine um, yeah, so we're getting together people for the launch and people for continued content creation. Um, we're getting together all of the rules and stuff. If you are interested, please shoot me a message on the Darker Days Radio uh, Discord and I will get you information. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Right. I think that's enough banter and news for this moment. So let's carry on with The Secret Frequency. Okay, so the little short story I cooked up essentially is the idea that of uh, is is related to the idea of a region in Alaska known as the Alaskan Triangle, where people go missing frequently. The triangle spans an area from Anchorage at one one corner, Barrow to the north, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I bet Juneau or Juneau. I want to say Juneau. Juneau. Good, thank you. To the south. Uh, within this region, people and planes go missing to the extent that one in 200 people in Alaska go missing every year. So since 1988, 16,000 people have gone missing in Alaska and in this region, because this region is quite large and takes up a fair proportion of Alaska. Naturally, the most obvious and logical reason for why people go missing is the, is the weather and the environment and, of course, the natural wildlife that is there, bears, wolves, and so forth. Alaska is a harsh landscape. And of course, it would take an experienced hiker to survive in the cold if they get trapped somewhere for any uh, long period of time. But there is also the legend of a particular half-man, half-animal type creature or spirit that is told by the Native Americans, the Tlingit 
I'm going to, again, mostly murder that, but it's spelled T-L-I-N-G-I-T. You can always contact us on Darker Days Radio to correct mispronunciations whenever you like. And this half-man, half-animal creature called the Kushtaka is said to stalk these lands. These spirits lure people to rivers and lakes, murdering them there. They mimic the cries of children and women, and they generally prey on children, though there is no reason you know, that they're not limited to, to that. They will attack other people. The descriptions of, Kush, of the Kushtaka describe Sasquatch-like creatures that live in caves and burrows. Apparently, they can take the form of otters, and some have been said to save lost individuals from the freezing snow, but by transforming them into Kushtaka as well. There are apparently ways to ward off these spirits. Copper, urine, dogs, fire are all ways of keeping these spirits away. And the Kushtaka are similar to another Alaskan mythological creature, the Yurayuli, or hairy men. But these creatures, though, are of a peaceful nature. So, how can we make use of these legends and similar uh, within our stories, within Chronicles of Darkness and World of Darkness, or other similar horror RPGs. Uh, Crystal, you have written about snow a fair amount for <laughs> another game system, so you're yep. you're quite happy. You're quite experienced talking about the dangers of snow, the dangers of being exposed to the wilderness. So, what are your immediate thoughts of using this legend with it as inspiration for stories and horror in games? So, I think one of the things um, with using like these these type of stories and legends that is, isn't utilized enough is keeping the legend as just a legend and making the true horror be the weather itself. And so to to create that for for a setting material, you basically play up the legend, have people talking about it, maybe have them experience some parts of it, <laughs> but never actually reveal the creature and instead they're battling the elements and the weather to survive instead yeah that's that is quite interesting you say that because that is a an element within sins washed away where you can actually play that scenario without a supernatural antagonist and that you're you're up against just people and the environment so the idea of running chronicles of darkness where it is actually survival horror against the elements, but using the th themes and the, I, I don't want to say paranoia, but the superstition of there being something out there to enhance environmental um, danger is really cool. And um, a lot of people, like if you haven't grown up in snow or um, any sort of like really extreme harsh weather, don't really have the idea of how like yo know, oh i know that that doesn't sound like a woman or anything like mm -hmm. that you know like that's just the wind i've been in snowstorms and enough blizzards and <laughs> like harsh landscapes um even just in wisconsin where sometimes it sounds like it's a wolf and it's howling right next to you and it is nothing but the wind and coyotes can sound exactly like the wind. 
So it is is very, very um, easy to to think, oh, no, I'd know the difference. And and really, when you're out there and everything is happening around you and you're cold and you're freezing Mm -hmm. and you're miserable, that you really don't know what's going on. Yeah, because, I mean, that comes back to the point that, uh, let's put it this way, um, the, the human mind, the brain, is a wonderful piece of pattern recognition software in there. But also, it will make shit up that is really not there to try and make sense of yep. the world. I mean, we look at, you have people that look at pictures of Mars and go, there's a face there. And it's like, no, it's not. It's literally just mountains. And in the same way as you're saying, like, when you're cold and you're depri- you, you, you're deprived of food and, and resources, or or in even some cases you're surprised you're deprived of sunlight for days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or 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 just from talking to other people, um, you're going to go a bit loopy and and start making things up in your head. Hmm. Um, that same thing. Sorry, go on, David. Same yeah. thing happens with uh, it's not just the sounds. Like I was in Germany. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I went walking in the hills in the uh, the Black Forest on a very misty, foggy, very folk horror kind of day uh, by myself. Uh, I had nothing else to do, and walking through these forests, you'd catch glimpses of things in your in your vision um, that looked very lifelike and very movable. And you'd turn around and you'd see them, and it would just be a tree sticking out of the out of the woods. Um, but with it being uh, the hills weren't very tall and there was no snow involved, you could quite easily tell that they were trees. But having spent a youth live uh, up in the mountains skiing and things in Europe, when you add in the snow and the uh, if you add in a blizzard behind that those things suddenly do become very movable objects in your vision because the, the snow, um, as the snowstorm goes past these trees in, in the distance, they come in and out of focus and you kind of, you can't quite grasp what it is you're seeing. And when yeah. you're seeing that out the corner of your vision, just off and off chance, it suddenly becomes something quite ethereal. And so it adds into these ideas. You're hearing these really strange noises from nature, and then you're seeing these things outside of your vision, and it's like it becomes something more than it really is. Mm-hmm. So it's you can add on from the sound. You can add in those those visual cues as well. That it's like you hear these these screams of the wind as they blow past you, and you see a gust of a snow snowstorm come past you and you catch out the corner of your eye, a dark shape, you turn around, it's no longer there. And it's so it, you add on layers upon layers to kind of create that depth mm-hmm. of horror. I've got an interesting question uh, to ask Crystal about how you run in games uh, where, where the characters have to survive the elements. So that it doesn't just become something very procedural with just rolling dice. How do you go about, you know, storytelling to reinforce that the the elements are dangerous without it just being, you know, roll survive, you know, intelligence plus survival, and see how many successes you get. Like, how do you how do you really get to that feeling of being out in the wilderness? 
So um, there are a couple of things that um, you'd be able to do um, as far as a storyteller facilitating that. Um, the first thing would actually be, um, and this isn't really heavy in World of Darkness, but it is in like D&D, um, inventory lists. Mm -hmm. Because your gear and everything like that is going to be very pivotal for how you survive in an environment. And keeping track down to the matches, which may seem very, very nitpicky, but it helps to eliminate a lot of the dice rolls until you absolutely have to. So things like, okay, um, you have enough matches to survive for a week, so I'm not even going to have you roll for those. We're just going to assume that, that this takes place and you have no issues. But after that week, we're going to have to start adding some dice rolls for certain elements. Yeah. Um, then that, that way you can have a lot more narrative aspects going on. Um, and you can also kind of play off of the, maybe they forgot rope, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like, um, or they forgot a tent or something, you know, they forgot gloves, something like that. Um, and that's going to cause some issues versus, okay, I'm going to have them roll for everything all the time which is going to get really boring yeah. and very, very tedious. <laughs> I'm not um, a massive fan of when players start going on their little shopping quests in RPGs when, you know, micromanaging your shopping of your inventory is yeah. not critical to the story. But when it comes to survival out in the wilderness and, and the elements... That's when I actually start to give a damn about how many match, as you say, matches, how much oil they've bought, uh, and that's that works for. Um, and it's good because I mean, the game which close to my heart right now that this is perfect for to to talk about and and relates to a lot of survival in that world is Warhammer, where you yeah sure the Empire is this place where humanity lives in this fantasy, faux to Tolkien kind of setting. But vast amounts of that, uh, that empire is very dense forests, and surviving out in the forest is not an easy thing to do. Before you start considering the beasts of chaos and beastmen and other crazy creatures that live out there. Uh, so I guess the other thing you can do then with respect to the horror of survival is look at the paranoia of survival because there's only a certain amount of ration. And I know you don't want to facilitate too much you know, player versus player antagonism, but also that, that interaction between their characters should be a natural thing when they are pushed to their limits. Uh, when resources are dwindling yeah there there are a lot of actual natural horror stories i mean just look up mount everest mm -hmm. and you're gonna see you know bodies all over the place and that's happens all the time um the donner party is also a good one for inspiration for that type of thing where they were lost and ended up eating people because that's how they survived. Um, 
And the movie Into the Wild is actually a great reference for this as well. And that actually takes place in Alaska Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. someone who decided they just wanted to go survive in Alaska and literally hitchhiked his way there, got everything stolen from him, thought that he could survive very easy on the land and everything like that. And it did not end well for him. And that plays into the paranoia and the um the tricks that your mind can play on you of the i can keep doing this i totally have this when you really don't Mm -hmm. uh the i mean i guess another good film to consider then to watch to at least get a a feel for the environment when we're talking about you know snow caked landscapes is uh the revenant we're, uh, because that, yes. that, the entire scene with the bear, you're just like, I've had enough. Go away, bear. Stop trying to kill me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that that's again that mon- what we what I guess you traditionally think in a lot of the games we talk of is a very mundane danger, but really is horrific. Uh, and yeah, it's it's interesting. I think I think one of the things I'm keen keen to explore is survival in the wilderness in at least definitely within uh, the Warhammer world. And so thinking about these things is, is quite useful for that. Ooh, that uh, interesting. Right. Is that all we want to say about surviving the, envir- so in the environment as the horror? Was there anything else we wanted to elaborate on there before we maybe talk about these, these uh, the Sasquatch-like creatures? Mm. I think I, I hit upon all my main points, so okay. I think I'm good. Yeah, I think once you've covered that, that's that's pretty much all you need to do. Um, <laughs> you can obviously go deep into what is what and the different types of uh, scenery, so whether it's snow or whether it's a desert, it's just kind of applying the same ideas but just changing the weather. Yes. Mm-hmm. So with these Sasquatch-like creatures, I think, obviously, again, in a kind of more mundane approach, and going back to really the core of Chronicles of Darkness and why I think the very original Blue Book was really great in the first few chapters, um, is you can, again, look at these creatures as just being simply cryptids. And that is both a source of wonder and horror within within games because cryptids are these uh, are thus cre- creatures that do exist they're not supernatural anyway they do follow the, the the rules of biology as we understand them for the most part uh but they are something that is unusual and that we've not seen before and i think that sasquatch the i think part of the horror of sasquatch like creatures when they're described is because we're, we're moving into that kind of um uncanny valley sort of area with a creature where it it looks kind of human we can kind of see the emotion and the thought processes going on behind its eyes but also in many other respects it is quite animalistic or quite alien to us mm. and that is a good source of horror when you compare it to say you can get an idea for how these creatures are like i think always the good one is going to like the film the descent where again the the threat is 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 you know when you compare to vampire and everything else is 
is mundane in its nature, but they are cryptids that the uh, survivors are up against. In that case, they're more troglodyte kind of humans, uh, humanoids, but you get the, the idea. So I think you could go down that route uh, with, with the, the legend of the Kushtaka. There was, um, in the latest season of uh, Sabrina. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, there was, before you actually get into it, there are, as spoiler alert to people who have not seen it, um, Harvey ha- goes into the the mines to look for something and hear stories of creatures in the mines and it is it leads up into that kind of idea of descent that he hears creep uh, scratchy noises down the tunnels and that there are creatures and and things down there that do attack people obviously you then discover what they are won't go into that but even within kind of like modern tv programs they bring in those ideas of they are human but there's something else and they are animalistic and you can see it. So you can see it within modern TV as well, that you kind of get this weird animalistic nature of humanity that becomes horror into it. I'm trying to think there was actually a TV series. I think that was the basis. That was the, almost the basis of the main antagonist. And I can't remember what show it was now. Oh, well. Um, the other thing you can look at is, and it's a shame because of where Supernatural as a TV series went, but you can go all the way back to literally the second episode of Supernatural, and that deals with the classic legend of the Wendigo. Um, yeah. But you are there, there dealing with um, the same sort of type of creature. It is yeah. something that was human. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, it ties yeah. into exactly what you were saying, Crystal, with um, survival, because obviously the Wendigo is is rooted in, at least they were rooting their, their, the nature of the Wendigo to deal with people that had degenerated due to cannibalism when, when driven to extreme needs of survival. Uh, so that's obviously a good, good touch point for, uh, you know, for ideas. Um, Crystal, any other approaches you would take with cryptids or anything else that springs to mind immediately you think that's the way i'll i'll use a kushtaka in a game i i am always a fan of bringing stuff in and kind of teasing it and not ever seeing it fully so like um cloverfield where you really don't know what's going on until like right at the end and you just get this brief glimpse of whatever hat is happening mm-hmm um i really really like using horror creatures in that aspect so um kind of playing off of you know having things happen and kind of bringing some discord to the group also gives a lot more oomph to the horror aspect as well because now they're trying to fight or they're fighting each other or arguing and they're like, we got to stop. And they, they're like trying to stop and they end up talking to themselves in circles as all of this other stuff is happening. And it's kind of like a loss of control thing. I just, kind of, I, I just had such the meanest idea of how to write a scenario. And this is, this is going back to the thing I did with, um, with the thing I just published, right? So hear me out. This is what you do. 
so going on your idea of survival with the with the resources, yeah, with the uh, inventory yes. list, each character has a card with what they think is still in the inventory list. Okay. Oh, and have yeah. stuff in disappear. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then also, as the as things disappear, you write next to it a clue or a signifier on how they think or or something the the where they last saw it and that yeah. then allows yeah. for paranoia to grow and the, the obviously oh, it relies on it relies on players keeping the cards to themselves and you Play might need paranoia. you might need to either a you might have to have a betrayer in the party kind of scenario or you might need a player that that it's quite clear it's written on their card. Like, yeah, here's their inventory, but also it says on their card, you, you would you would sell your mother to survive. So you don't care what's going to happen to everyone else. Even though they're not technically the monster, you still need someone that, when pushed to the limit, would quite happily, you know, leave someone to die if it meant they had one extra match. That kind of thing. Oh, dang. That's, even, that's harsh. That's that's harsh. So... You, you can make it even more harsh by even having that hidden up to a certain point. So they're all playing off each Look, if you watch a lot of the movies, they're all playing off each other and you don't really d- discover who is that person who will push it to the limit to quite a while. So they'd play those characters and go, oh, no, 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 we need to work together. And then suddenly you have that click point mm-hmm. and then one person, some, like, something like Battlestar Galactica, the board game, where you suddenly discover that you're a Cylon. You suddenly discover oh, you're the person who actually has to flip. The The direct analogy to this is also the board game Who Goes There? So that's a board game which basically emulates the novel Who Goes There? Also that we've seen in cinema in various forms, such as uh, Horror Express and The Thing. Where again, you've got a betrayer in the party, and it and the the betrayal mechanic means that you can have other people become the thing. But again, it's that same thing of you as a group, as a collective group of players, are having to acquire, collect resources in order to survive. But knowing that someone could be in the parts one of one of the party or multiple because it's an infection that spreads are looking to kill everyone uh, and and get off on the and and escape on the helicopter at the end so i think i think we can basically go take all these things build betrayal and and misdirection and possibly even hallucination into how many resources there are into your survival how to do that oh my gosh you just you get blank cards as a storyteller and then write things like you know this can of food has gone missing or something like that and then just randomly of every so often hand it to one of the players and just let them go yeah yes. so kind of like samwise gamsji and and Gollum up the hill where the food suddenly goes missing and and people are blaming it on each other but they don't know who's blaming what on what that's a oh Giving me ideas now. <laughs> right. Well, oh that was a, that was a great that was a great bit of theory crafting there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, right. Uh, the other thing, David, I would do with the Sasquatch because it's close to hearts. Um, it's a no-brainer with this thing. I would clearly use it as a chaos creature out in the wilderness of Kislev near the chaos wastes yes. uh, in yeah, Warhammer. Yeah. It's so yeah. obvious to do. Uh, yeah, but likewise, the movie Troll Hunter here. So yes. Um, yeah. But likewise, obviously, um, these creatures would be great in a game of uh, Werewolf the Forsaken because yep. these spirits could easily be a totem spirit uh, of um, maybe one of the pure tribes. So of one of uh, you know a, 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 um, a pack of pure tribe werewolves. Uh, equally, you could use that easily in Werewolf the Apocalypse without uh, any problem. I'm also thinking, um, Crystal, this fits in quite well with um, with Changeling the Lost and the Beast uh, Kith. Yes. Yeah, it would definitely work with that. So it would be interesting if people are taken in this region and these creatures that come back are actually the people that have been taken. Ooh, yeah, they're they're just hedge fodder at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, I mean, I I would say deviant, but it's a bit too. I don't think it'd be a bit weird. So many people coming back in the same way. Um, the other thing you could do is potentially with mage with these creatures is. I'm thinking definitely in the form of Mage the Awakening anyway, is that out in the wilderness somewhere there is a other space, you know, one of these places that doesn't exist but does exist, it's out of time, you know. And these creatures are the guardians of this location. So it's somewhere where mages of the pentacle can go to recover some ancient relic from a fragment of a city fragment of atlantis or something um that would be different um definitely use this for hunter oh god yes yeah, I'm, now, I mean... <laughs> I'm now really i'm now now yeah. you said hunter, i'm now reminded of playing red dead redemption undead nightmare where you have the horrific thing where one of the missions is you are hunting down uh all the you're basically looking for clues of why these people have been attacked and it turns out that they were just being attacked by random people but you've been sent off on a little crusade against a sasquatch and right at the end you have a choice of either do you kill the sasquatch or don't you and it talks to you like a normal person so again you could kind of do a similar thing where Ooh. you the enemy is not the, these creatures the enemy is the unhinged mortal hunters who have taken upon it themselves to hunt down these creatures and along the way have mostly been murdering anyone that they deem too hippie because those hippies you know are are getting in their way of killing all these cryptids um, that is kind of you could just bring in that whole idea of red dead though so it's and there are other games that kind of relate to that so you end up with the two sides of Mm -hmm. Do you help? Do you help the beast? Is the beast just a wounded animal? And there's all sorts of different sides you can take to the idea of the Sasquatch. Oh, or the other I just had it. I just had it, which combines all the things we've been talking about. Um, it'd be you can just do a werewolf, the apocalypse, uh, wild west werewolf. Yeah, during yeah. that period in Alaska when it's you know frontiersmen. 
that would be really that'd be really cool hmm. anything based around the frontier kind of nature of uh like 17th 18th 19th century america as they're kind of going through the gold pans and the plains as they're discovering new lands and discovering new tribes and they're bringing in those uh kind of dark twisted weird animals that are, are around at the time it's it's so easy to kind of see both sides of the story and, and run with both sides of the story. Are you from the tribes and helping the tribes or are you the new folk who are coming in and trying to, to expand the land? So. Hmm. Uh, it could also very well work with haunted West. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I also had uh, an idea that actually you could, if you wanted to, you could to make it a bit more wildernessy. You'd have to go a lot more wilderness than what it is as its traditional setting, but it'd be potentially plausible as uh, something to do with tales from the loop. Uh, again, oh, yeah. so you could have an installation out in the middle of nowhere. I would actually go a lot darker because it's that isolation. I think is a bit much for tales from the loop. I would go to things from the flood. Yeah, things on the much And again, go with that isolation, this kind of that Bermuda Triangle, the Alaskan Triangle idea as well there. And but also the other thing, the other classic one, and I can't remember the episode number, but you can go back on a very old Darker Days radio episode. It's an old secret frequency. Of course, is Devil's Pass, the Dilatov Pass um incident where some people were out, you know, mountaineering and some unknown alien uh, experience occurred and the bodies were recovered and apparently irradiated and so forth. Uh, they were naked in or partial states of undress because they fled their tents. Uh, you could look to that as well for that incident and combine it with the what we've been saying about surviving the, the elements and combine it to create a very uh, scary thing. So it could be aliens, it could be aliens out there. They're not Sasquatch, they're hairy aliens. Um, there's there's the there's a movie just come out on Netflix. It's been around for a few years called Outlander. Okay. Um, which it's very cheesy. It's a bit crap, but an alien race comes to Viking Norway. Oh, it's a really old film that one, but I know the one you're talking about. It's, yeah, it's... and um, he protects Viking Norway from dragons. Um, so you've kind of got futuristic weird aliens who have come down to protect the the primal tribes from weird creatures so um you can take that kind of idea of something not of this world coming to protect a tribe from something of this world but not of this world so to yeah. speak so uh, layers within that it's oh, also a very iffy dodgy crap movie but well have we exhausted our ideas are there any last ones there i'm kind of i'm kind of out i think I've, i i think we had our our best moment with the uh with the with the um <laughs> conflicting idea of what's in the inventory it's like did you did you eat the last cake no i didn't eat the last cake no uh, i just sprinkled it on someone else and why yeah. are you holding that knife behind your back well you had the last cake um yeah <laughs> um, i really want to run that now it's that that's, that's my dream that is my dream warhammer scenario there um i'm just thinking about how i, I know exactly how i can fit that into my v5 
campaign. So if anybody who's in my VFI campaign, ignore that completely, because that's think... not going to happen at all, honest. <laughs> you could use it for so many different games, that kind of idea. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I think I think that's it. Crystal, do you only have any last ideas before we finish up then? No, I'm I uh I will probably ruminate on it though after we're done recording this and be like, oh, I could have said this, but no, not yeah, right now. As well, yeah, all the best ideas come like come hours yep. later after these episodes. <laughs> uh okay, so we will end that there with that secret frequency. Um I think there's tons of cool ideas in there for many different games and more. Yeah. And, of course, if you've enjoyed The Secret Frequency, there are many more on Dark Days Radio. And if you want to find out more about our work in horror gaming, you can go to our website, www.darker-days.org. You can get in contact with us at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook. You can tweet us at Darker Days Radio. You can find us on Instagram at Darker Days Radio. You can find us on our Discord server, where there is various conversation about horror and there might be pictures of toy soldiers you never know what's going on there and as we said as this goes out you could be possibly listening to this on friday as you are perhaps traveling to or just arriving or maybe you're just leaving depends on which order you will have been at possibly at pax east or c c2 e2 did i yes. say that right yes yep and or you could be Listening to this, and just a, a few weeks away is the Swansea Comics and Games Con, where you can come talk to me about how to survive in the wilderness and why it's hor- horrific. Uh, because I will be there with Matthew Dawkins and Howard Wood uh, Ingham. So it is, I think that covers all the ways of being contacted and things coming up. So I'll uh, thank you again, Crystal and David, for sitting in on this secret frequency and helping uh, helping me out with ideas. And uh, we will hear, f- well, you'll hear from us soon enough on another episode of Darker Days Radio. So thank you for listening and good night. <laughs>